Glad you're here. If you got a Bible, let's go to Ephesians. You keep standing. Don't, don't sit down. I ain't sitting down. You ain't sitting down. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. We're in a series called Letters to the Church. I'm going to let you sit here in a minute. If you're new, you're like, do we stand the whole time during that? That what kind of church this is? I've been Catholic before where we stand and sit and stand and sit and stand and sit. Do we stand the whole time in this kind of church? Oh, thank you, man. No, you're going to get to sit down here in just a moment. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is, this, this is really real. I need this. Um, if you have a Bible, Ephesians chapter 5. So we're in a series right now called Letters to the Church. And we're looking at these letters that were written by the Apostle Paul. If you're new to church, most of the New Testament are actually letters that were written. Um, if you're young, letters, letters were these things that we, we used to take a piece of paper and we write and we stuff it in a little envelope, lick a stamp put the stamp on it and then this guy would show up in a white truck and they'd take it across the country drop it off and then they'd write you back and they just <laughs> man that's, uh, that sounds weird like letters what's that so these are letters that he wrote to the churches that he started this was one that he wrote to the church in Ephesus um, Paul was actually <laughs> You think you're having a bad day. Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. I don't know what your excuse is. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I don't know what your excuse is. <laughs> I mean, if you think, I just can't get it done. Get it done, okay? This guy was in prison. He's writing a letter to the church. Stay encouraged. Come on, somebody say, stay encouraged. Like right now, the church has got to stay encouraged. Sometimes it can feel like you're in prison. Sometimes it can feel like the whole church is in prison, uh, what the world's going on. But take heart. The best things happen in a prison cell where you are shackled and can't move. We have one of the greatest gifts that history has ever given us, and it happened in a prison. Oh, man, that'll preach right there. I don't have time to preach all that. But whatever prison you are in, just know that God is going to launch you out and do great things through your life. And he has not forgotten you, and he has not forsaken you. So these letters were written like 2,000 years ago, but I think they're also relevant to us today. This church was a um, pretty good church. It was in a really difficult area. Ephesus had a lot of temples to other gods and uh, just a lot of craziness going on. And Paul had to bring in some doctrinal things to try to help the church. And we come to the end in Ephesians chapter 5. Or excuse me, Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, version is a great app. Uh, download that. We're going to be reading through Ephesians this week as a church. So if you do not get the emails, grab a Next Step card. Write uh, your email address on there. We'll put you on that. So every week you get the devotionals. Because every devotional goes right along with the message that I preach. All week we're going to be reading through the book of Ephesians. Encourage you too to develop. If you've never developed a time with God, we want to encourage you during the series to do that. To help with that, we have free journals out in the lobby. And in those journals is a reading plan and a way in which to help you. How do I read the Bible? What do I do? I don't know where to start. I don't even know how to pray. There's a simple guide in there that will really help you. Those are free. They're in the lobby. Just grab one of those, take it with you. So Ephesians chapter 6, and we're looking at uh, verse 10. Paul says this, a final word. This is like, uh, you remember being in high school and you're going out on a Friday night? And your parents turn to you and go, hey, 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 
one more thing. And you're like, oh, great, here it comes. Because it's the most important thing they're going to say. This is what Paul's doing here. Final word, one more thing. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities. Come on, somebody. We are not fighting against COVID. Ooh. We are not fighting against vaccines. We are not fighting against masks. We are not fighting against shutdowns. We're not fighting against school systems. That's what the world does. What a waste of time that is. What a waste of energy that is because that is not your battle. It's against evil rulers and authorities behind all that of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The enemy is very real, unseen but real, and looking to come after you and take you down and destroy your soul. But praise God, we have Jesus on our side. That's why Paul says, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you're still going to be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So today, the title of my message is Make a Stand. Make a Stand. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence that is already in this place. And we have already experienced, and we know, God, you have already brought deliverance and healing in so many different ways. And we're so grateful for that. Now, as we dig into your scriptures, dig into the word here, would you just pull out of that what we need to hear today in Jesus' name? And the church said... Amen. All right. Make a stand. I should make you stand the entire service. No, you can be seated. You can sit down. So a couple of weeks ago, I celebrated my 55th birthday. That's right. 55 and still wearing skinny jeans. Come on, somebody. Hey, I can't drive 55, but I do not have to dress 55. That'll preach right there. Uh, but I turned uh, 55, and uh, it's my birthday month, so uh, it's not just a day. It's a month for me, so if you missed it, it's okay. Uh, gift cards, whatever you want to do. So on my birthday, I was in Colorado with uh, my son, who I affectionately call Herc, and he said, Dad, on your birthday, I want to take you to a skate park. And I was stoked because I have been a skateboarder on and off my entire life. Uh, when, I, when I was a young boy, I, I rode the smaller board, and then I got older, and I started riding the smarter board. That's called a long board, by the way. And, and when you get a little bit older, you realize, I can't do what I used to do, plus I'm six foot four, and it is a long way down. So I ride a long board now, which is kind of like a cruiser, and I just kind of cruise around, you know? And you'll see me here on the church property. I, I, I prayer skate. That's what I do. And... I just love my longboard. But, I, but this, what's crazy is I had never been in a skate park in my entire life, which is weird except for the fact that this will show how old 55 is. They hadn't even invented or had skate parks when I was in junior high. 
Like when I was in junior high, they were actually inventing the sport. Man, that makes me sound old. But, but they were. They, they were actually, they were riding in swimming pools and they didn't have skate parks. So I never got to go and enjoy that. And so my son said, we're going. And, I, and so he had a skateboard I could borrow. And we went out to the skate park. And, and I started easy because I had not been on a shorter board in over 20 years. And I was like, I'm, I'm not falling. <laughs> that's all there is to it. That's my goal. Not going to fall. That's, that's, that was my goal. For some of you, that's your goal in life. I'm not going to fall. And so I'm like, I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fall. And, and so I started easy, and I started doing it. And in part of the park, they have um, this part. It's called a pump track. And you go down a little incline, and you go over a couple of moguls, and then around a corner. And I was like, i got to do that. I can't leave the skate park without doing that. And so I went up on the, the incline to, to go down. So I go I got up like this, and, and, and I'm looking down. You ever got up on the high dive, and then you look down, and you're like, whoa. That is a lot further down than I thought. And I'm not going to be lie. I'm not going to lie. I was just, when, I, when that was happening, I, I just thought, oh, I'm going to fall. I don't, and all I was thinking is don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. How many of you know when you say don't fall that when you go to push off, you're not even going to start? You're not going to fall because you're never going to do it. And I was just completely psyched out. I'm like, ah, ah. And I was like, ah. And I'm like, okay. I'm thinking about this the wrong way. I need to envision myself accomplishing it. And, and I've, I've read about that. I've seen sports uh, p- uh, figures that do this. And so I actually did. I, I envisioned myself going down the incline and then over the moguls and then skating around. And I did that over and over again until I got enough confidence that I skated down the incline, went around the moguls, went around the corner, and made it, people. At 55, I did it. Some of you are not impressed. My son got video of it. I've got the video proof. Here it is. Watch this. This is it. Okay, that wasn't regular speed. That, uh... <laughs> That's actually not the real speed that I did it. We sped it up a little bit so it looked better. Okay, here's, here's, here it is at real speed. I did it. Oh, man. In, in life, you are, you're going to face challenges. You're, you're going to face uh, obstacles and, and things that, that you are struggling to overcome. And in that moment, what you, we all do in those moments is we think, man, just don't face plant. I just, I just don't want to fall. I, I don't want to fail. And, and the apostle Paul here in 
in Ephesians chapter 6, he, he says there's these battles that we face. There's these obstacles and these struggles and these things that happen in life. And what's interesting is three times in there, he says, stand. Somebody say, stand. Stand. He says, you've got to stand. So how do we stand? How do we stand solid? And how do we keep from falling in the face of adversity and overwhelming obstacles? Paul shows us. Let's look at the scriptures in verse 10. He says this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Turn to somebody, encourage them right now, and tell them, be strong. Be strong. Isn't this what we do anytime you're facing a struggle? You just give yourself a self-pep talk, you know? You give yourself a talk, I got this. You know, be strong. Man, you, you, you can do this. You're high-fiving yourself. You're, you're having a personal pep rally. You're the only one in the gym. But you're gonna, I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going I'm to make this happen. And, and then reality starts to set in. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like it starts and you're like, I don't got this. I, 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 can't, I can't fix this. I don't know even how to address this. It's, it's too much. So I, I woke up this morning, and, and I mean, my throat was just like gone. And I thought, oh, man, I, I, I'm going to have to preach. I, I, don't, I don't know what, what I'm going to do. And, and, and there sitting here is, is two things that are very, very helpful when your voice is in, in trouble. One of them is a, is a little teaspoon of honey and maybe a, a little bit of warm water. And, and, and when I got up this morning, I could have just been like, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know, that might help, might not help, I'm not sure. But I think so many times what we do in life is we're like, I got this, and God's like, hey, I've, I've got something. I, I've, got, I've got my power. I, I, would, you, would, you like, would you like a teaspoon of my strength? I, I, I can help you overcome what it is that you're struggling with, but we're like, yeah, no, I, I, I got it. I got it, but you, but you don't got it. Turn to somebody, tell them you don't got it. You, you don't got it. I mean, you can just, I could just sit there and go, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'll just, I'll just talk deeper. That's what I'll do. I'll just, I'll just get there this morning. I'll just talk like this, and no one will ever know that I'm talking to my wife. Why is the pastor talking like that? Oh, I'm fine. This is just the voice I've chosen to use today. <laughs> and that's what we do. We fake it, we, we pretend like it's not happening, whatever we got to do. And God says, listen, or, or Paul here, more importantly, Paul says, listen, you have access to the power and the strength of God. As a child of God, all you got to do is ask, and he says, you shall receive. I want to pour it out like honey in your life. Oh, that will preach right there. God's power and strength, it can be poured out like honey in your life. Paul says it this way in verse 11. He says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to, say this with me, stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of what? This is key. Of what? The unseen world. Those things that you cannot see against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the, in the heavenly places. Your, your fight is not against what you see. 
Your fight is not against your spouse. It's not against your kids. It's not against your parents. Your fight is not against your, your boss. It's not against your finances. It's not against the doctor's report. It's not against um, uh, whatever struggle is in front of you. Paul is saying, hang on a second. Stop looking at what you can see. Start paying attention to those things you cannot see. He says the battle, the fight is against the unseen world. Like, And he says the devil is developing strategies against you. He's developing strategies he wants to use against you. I heard this preached when I was a young dad, and I went to a men's conference. I'll never forget Steve Farrar, the speaker, because he said something that radically impacted my life. In fact, man, I would tell you, if you want to be a great dad, you want to be a great man of God, read anything by Steve Farrar. It's going to be a home run. And he was talking about how he was a chaplain at, uh, for several NFL teams. He was talking about how the teams will watch game film on their opponents, which most of us are aware of that. But what he said is, is that what they actually will do too is they will give each player game film on the person that they're going to be going up against. And they will watch hours and hours and hours of game film to break it down until they figure out that person's weakness. And then when they find that weakness and they discover that weakness, they exploit that weakness. And he said, the devil is watching game film on you. The devil is watching game film on you. Hours and hours. And he's watching how you react, how you act, how you've acted in the past. And he's studying it and he's looking for your weakness. He's looking for those little insecurities that you have. He's looking for those little tendencies that you have. He's looking for that past hurt that you have. And in that moment, he comes in. What, what Paul is trying to get said here is that he comes in and he wants to exploit that and use that against you. But Paul says when that happens, you got to stand firm against the strategies. you got to stand firm. Uh, uh, the root meaning of this, I love what the root meaning of this, you might want to write this down, is You've got to make a stand. You've got to make a stand. Encourage somebody next to you and tell them, you've got to make a stand. Turn to somebody in front of you, turn to somebody behind you, and tell them, you've got to make a stand. You've got to make a stand. Like, you've got to go to battle against the enemy, and that's not fun. Woohoo! Glad I came to church today. <laughs> battle against the enemy. That's the last thing we want to do. Truthfully, what we want to do is we want to fill out a prayer request and be done with it. I'm just going to grab my prayer request card and fill it out, and then it's over. Now, filling out a prayer request card, absolutely, should you do that? Oh, oh, yes, you should do that. I don't even, if you're going through something and you don't fill out a prayer card, I don't know what you're smoking. I don't know what CBD shop you're hanging out at. Because it's like the honey. You got access to people that are intercessors. You got access to people that will go to their knees for you every day for 30 days. And then if you ain't there yet, you put in another one, and they'll go 30 more days for you. And they'll go 30 more, and they'll go 30 more, and they'll go 30 more, and they'll go 30 more. But what we do is we go, 
yeah, you know, I'm maybe I'm, I'm good. When you need to grab that prayer request card and you take advantage of that, of some people that will lift you up in prayer. But the thing we need to remember is when you fill out that prayer request card, that's not when it's over. Oh, that's when the battle is just beginning. That, that's where you have now taken a step onto the battlefield. I want you to write this down. Passive faith is vulnerable faith. Passive faith is vulnerable faith. The devil is looking for people of passive faith. He's looking for people who are not engaging in the word, who are not engaging in a core group. He loves it when you hear, here's what the enemy, the enemy loves this. He's like, oh, tell them all about the core groups. Tell them about finding life in the core groups. Show them a great video with Ron. Put Ron's hat on. Look good. Make them laugh, preacher. Because guess what? I can't wait till they don't fill that card out. I just, I can't wait. You, the, God is not going, hey, hang on a second. Don't fill out that prayer. Don't fill out that next step card. Don't get in a group. Don't do that. That's not, your hesitation does not come from God. It comes from the enemy. Why? Because he's watching game film on you, and he knows exactly the tactic to use against you, so you won't fill out a next step card, and so you won't get in a core group, and you won't find life, and you won't find deliverance, and you won't find healing. It's the enemy. It ain't God that's doing that. I mean, he's, he's all over that. He's always working when you are passive and you're not engaging, whether that's the word, whether that's a group, or, or even in church. Man, coming to the house of God, is it not work? Getting to the house of God, it is work. Okay, some of y'all, you need to work a little bit harder. I'm looking at you, you need to work a little harder. I'm kidding. But you, you, it's work to get to the house of God. I'm telling you, that couch is calling, isn't it? It's easier to just stay home. The couch is not your friend. Come on. Somebody needs to write that down. The couch is not my friend. It is not your friend. The enemy is just like, yeah. And you're like, ooh, I'm just going to sit down right here. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Somebody bring me some hot cocoa. I know it's August and it's 100 degrees. But bring me some hot cocoa. Turn the air down. Bring me my hoodie. And turn on Pastor Brad. Actually, turn on Stephen Furtick. I kind of like him better. <laughs> get off of that couch. Come on, turn to somebody tell him, get off that couch. Get off that. Get off that couch. Man, I hate to see what would happen if my voice was in full bloom right now because, man, I am preaching today. God is in this place today. I can sense his presence, and he is wanting to deliver you. He is wanting to change you. He, there's some people, you're going to walk out of here today, and you are not going to be the same because you are tired of the enemy and his strategies and him whipping your tail. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. He says, be on guard. Say this with me. He says, what? Here it is again. Stand firm in the faith. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you've got to make a stand. You've got to make a stand. You've got to make a stand. He says, be courageous. Be strong. I want you to write this down. If passive faith is vulnerable faith, then passionate faith is victorious faith. Passive faith will get you nothing but vulnerable faith and vulnerable to the enemy. But when you have passionate faith, oh, man, the enemy, man, the enemy comes against people. But with the devil, he doesn't stand a chance against somebody who is passionate in their faith. 
He doesn't stand a chance about somebody who goes, where is it? Where's the honey? Give me the honey. I want the honey. Give me the word of God. I'll stand on the promises of God. I want to read the word of God. I'm going to learn the God, word of God. I'm going to declare the word, word of God. Where is that? Where's that card? I don't even need a card. I'm going to drive around town until I see vehicles I recognize. I'm going to pull in and say, can I come to your core group? I found you. I followed you home after church. Can I be in your group? <laughs> me, when you are, are you passionate? Are you passionate for the house? Or do you say, okay, do the church thing. Guys, I haven't been in like three weeks. I guess I better get to church. God, don't strike me dead with, with, with the lightning and all that stuff that they do. And I certainly hope the music's good today. They only got four guys. Oh, so I don't have that one singer I love so much. <laughs> or are you passionate? Ain't nothing going to keep me from the house of God and God's people. I don't care what's going on. I don't care where I am. All right, listen, when Laura and I, we were in, I'm, I'm probably going to preach over time today, and I don't care. Well, Laura and I, when we were in Breckenridge, and every time we go out of town, I'm so passionate about Jesus, i got to find a house to worship in. I don't do that out of duty, like, well, it's Sunday, I better get in the house of God, because if I don't, you know, I'm a preacher, and they're, no, they're probably got a tracker on me, and you know if I'm not in church or not, and... I'm not, I'm not saying that if you're not going to church, you're going to hell, you're completely missing the point. It has nothing to do with your salvation. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to read the Bible, and you don't have to pray to go to heaven. Oh, did he just say that? It is not a salvation issue, but it is a life issue. Do you want to be fully alive? Do you want to be able to conquer the enemy in your life? you got to pick up the honey. You got to get in the word. You got to get into a group and get around God. Uh, it's Sunday night and I am exhausted and the couch is calling my name. Mm, I really got to stay home. Sunday night football is coming. I just love Al Michaels. He's so great. Chris Collinsworth. I don't really like him, but it's way better than group. You got to get off that couch and you got to fight. You got to say, I got to get around God's people. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight for that in my life. I'm going to get in, into the house. The enemy does not stand a chance against people that are passionate in their faith. I, I think a great example of, of passive faith and passionate faith is David and Goliath. Now, David and Goliath, probably almost all of us in here know that story. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, you, you're probably very familiar with it. Maybe, maybe, though, you're new to church and you're like, I've heard kind of the story. It's this young guy and he's wearing like a toga and he like throws a stone and hits this huge guy. I don't know what that was all about, like this Andre the Giant kind of guy. And that's kind of your, your synopsis of the story, which is eh, kind of close. Kind of. But it's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I'll give you the background if you don't know the story is that the nation of Israel, they were constantly being attacked by other nations trying to overthrow them and trying to put them into bondage and slavery. And this time it's the Philistines and the Philistines are coming. Except this time the Philistines decide what we're going to do is we've got this insanely amazing um, soldier and his name is Goliath and he's nine feet tall. He's never been defeated in battle. You know what we'll do? We'll send him out. And so they're both on opposite ends of the valley. And Goliath comes down into the valley and he starts taunting the children of Israel saying, hey, send just one, one soldier out here, one warrior to fight me. And of course, no one's coming out to battle against him. He's doing this day after day after day after day. Well, David's not there. David is way back home feeding the sheep. And, and his dad says, go check on your brothers. And his brothers were in Saul's army. And so he goes to check on his brothers, and he starts hearing this. And David's like, hey, um, what, what's, 
What's, what's happening here? What's, what's going on here? And, and they're like, oh, this is a giant. He's coming out. He's doing this. And, and what happened is day after day after day, King Saul, David's not king. He's, just, he's, he's not the king yet. King Saul, King Saul has passive faith. Like King Saul is kind of hoping for the best. Every time Goliath comes down, he's like, man. And he's just kind of pretending, maybe if I just ignore him, it'll go away. Maybe he'll go away. Or he thinks maybe, maybe today he won't come up over the hill. Come on, we've all been there, have we not? You're just hoping for the best. You got that passive faith where you're just hoping, man, maybe if I just pretend like it's not happening, it won't be happening. Or maybe if I just sleep it off, <laughs> maybe then it'll, it'll go away. So King Saul's got this passive faith, but not David. David has a passionate faith. He comes in. He sees what's going on. He's like, why is no one not going out to fight this guy? What are you guys doing? And they're like, well, you not see who he is? He goes, yeah, but do you not know who God is? Like, what are you thinking? Why would you not go out? And he's got this passionate faith. So he goes to Saul. Many of you know the story, but if you don't, he goes to King Saul. And he says, all right, hey, I'll I'll fight him. And Saul's like, Hey, I appreciate that, David, but you're really young and you're inexperienced, and I don't think that's a good idea. Now, what's interesting is we get the story messed up here, by the way. Because if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, David was not this weak, frail, inexperienced shepherd that had no business facing Goliath. No, 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 no. It says actually in 1 Samuel 16 that David was tall, dark, and handsome. Come on, ladies, can I get an amen? He was tall, dark, and handsome. In fact, uh, it actually says there that um, he was a man of war. He was called a brave warrior who used good judgment. This, This was David. And he was also Saul's armor bearer. So Saul's talking to him, and Saul says, okay, I think you can do this. I I, I trust you. Okay, we're going to do this. He says, you got to wear my armor. And, and the childhood kid version of this is that, you know, David's this little scrawny guy and this big, huge armor gets on him. He's like, clank, clank, I can't wear this because I'm only like seven years old. And that's not it. That's not it at all. David, remember, tall, dark, and handsome, ladies. You won't forget that now. You'll be like, that's right. David is now my new favorite Bible character. Can we start a women's Bible study on David? That would be fantastic. David puts on the armor, but he's like, I've never worn this. I don't, I, this is not how I fight. He, he used a slingshot. And if you think the slingshot was like a kid's toy, again, you've messed up the story. That's not it at all. In fact, they actually had men with slingshots in the army. They were the, the sharpshoot, the snipers. They were the snipers of their day. These guys could take a slingshot and hit something in the uh, target over 100 yards away and kill it. So this is like, David's like, I, I got this, but he said, I can't, can't wear what you want me to wear. How many times does the world come to you and try to get you to wear their armor? How, how many times do they come with these, these different opportunities, these different ways that, that you, can, you can have a solution to your problem? Oh, your battles against your finances and a struggle? Hey, just open up your mailbox any day of the week because there's a 0% credit card waiting on you or a loan for up to $30,000. That'll solve your problem. Oh, your marriage is in trouble? You, you don't know what you're going to do? You're struggling in your marriage? You know, you're just one click away with that mouse to happiness. I mean, it's just, you're just flirting. You're just, just looking at a few things. What can that, that could probably enhance your marriage. 
You don't like your job? It's not working out? I just quit it. Go get another one. These are, this is the armor, the solutions that the, the world will try to get you to wear. Oh, oh, you're having a struggle. You're overwhelmed. You don't know what you, 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 know what you need to do? Just self-medicate. Just one little drink. Just take the edge off. But Paul comes back around in verse 13, and he says this. Put on every piece of what? Say it with me. What? God's armor. Put on God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, come on, turn to somebody and tell them, it's going to end. It's going to end. Turn back to him again and say, this sermon is probably not. This sermon is probably, probably not. <laughs> it's going to end. You will, say it with me, come on, still be standing firm. Oh, that is some honey right there. That's some of you need to grab a hold of that right now. No matter what I'm facing, I'm still going to be standing firm. Like, what's crazy is it appeared that, that David went onto the battlefield without any armor on. At least physically it looked like that. But I believe spiritually and in the unseen world, he was fully equipped with the armor of God. In fact, when you read about when he goes out on the battlefield, 1 Samuel chapter 17, let's put this up here, because this is, listen to, this is what David says when he goes out on the battlefield. See if this sounds like a guy who's not armed. He says, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin? I come to you in the name of the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, oh, the Lord's going to conquer you. I'm going to kill you dead. I'm going to cut off your head. Some of y'all need to speak that over the enemy in your life. I'm going to kill you dead, and I'm going to cut off your head. And then, that's not bad enough. If that ain't bad enough, I'm going to give your dead bodies and your men to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world's going to know there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here is going to know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. He will give you to us. That, that sounds like a man who is fully armed. So you get the picture. David goes out on the battlefield. He's got the belt of truth on him. He's got truth on his side. He knows the promises of God. He has drank from the word of God. He's had the honey in his life, and he's gotten a hold of the promises, and he's stepping out on that battlefield with the truth that I believe what God has said in his word, and I'm going to step out here. That's what you got. You got to step out with the belt of truth. The belt of truth is the word of God. It's this idea that his promises are true. Everything you're hearing today is not self-help. It's not just a preacher getting loud and crazy, but it is the truth of God to penetrate your soul and your mind and your heart and lift you to victory. But you got to have the word of God and you got to put on the word of God and you got to give the enemy not your truth, not the world's truth, but God's truth. This is what God says. And the, the, Paul talks about the breastplate of righteousness. David, he goes out there, man, and he knows. He goes, I, he, I know I'm on the right side. I, I'm on God's side. I am, I am the righteousness of God. Say that with me. I am the righteousness of God. One more time. I am the righteousness of God. When you step out on the battlefield, you are not on the wrong side. You are on the right side. You are standing with God Almighty. You are the righteousness of God. You are his child. Why would he not protect you? Why would he not deliver you? 
Paul says, put on the shoes of peace. I love David. David, man, he just walked out there and with these shoes of peace on. This, I think of peace like confidence. He just had this confidence. I'm going to walk out. Oh, you think you, I am tall, dark, and handsome coming right at you, brother Goliath. You big and ugly, and I'm tall, dark, and handsome. I mean, he looks down. When he looks up, <laughs> this is the crazy thing. So David, he's like out on the battlefield, and he's, he's walking, and he's got his feet, and he's looking at these shoes. And he's like, yeah. I got this. And then he looks up and he's like, holy smokes, you big. You big man. <laughs> you're crazy big. You got a loud voice too. You're louder than Pastor Brad. You're taller than Pastor. You're, you're scary. But then he looks down. Oh, wait a second. Look at what I'm standing on. You look up at your circumstances and your situation, you get overwhelmed by it, but you look down and you see the confidence, the shoes of peace, that I am standing with God Almighty. He, he is under me. He is girding me. He is caring for me, and I am solid and gripped by him. The shoes of peace. He says, take up the shield of faith. I love this. David, he took up God's faithfulness. What did David do? He didn't just go, well, here we go. All right, gonna, I hope this sling don't fail me now. No, what was David doing? He, 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 he knew God had been faithful to him before. What did he say to Saul? Are you kidding me? I am afraid of this giant. I have killed a lion and a bear. I clubbed them to death, and when they came back at me, I just killed them with my bare hands. That's a lion and a bear. You, this giant, he can't even move. Why? He ain't going to be no trouble. For, what do he, he said, what, he did it before? To do it again, my God is faithful. Amen. That's the way you got to live with the shield of faith. Oh, wait a minute. Remember what God has done. I don't know what your struggle is. I'm not demeaning what you're dealing with. What you're dealing with is very real, and the enemy is very real, and that's why sometimes you got to look back. Oh, wait. I had something before, but God delivered me, and he'll do it again. He did it before. He'll do it again. My God is faithful. Say that with me. He did it before. He'll do it again. My God is faithful. One more time. He did it before. He'll do it again. My God is faithful. you got to take up the shield of faith. Paul says take up the helmet of salvation. This idea of, of salvation is deliverance. David went out on that battlefield with fully armed with the salvation of the Lord, knowing God is going to deliver me. What I want you to know today, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus, salvation is not a one-time thing. Salvation isn't, hey, I asked God to forgive me of my sins, and now I get to go to heaven. That's, yes, that's true, but that's, that's just that's so shallow. There's so much more. God says, no, I want, to, I want to bring my salvation in every area of your life, mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, all of it. I, I, want to, I want to bring deliverance in every. He is the God who delivers in all things all the time. Put on the helmet of salvation. And then he says, take up the, he says, uh, take up the sword of the spirit. David didn't have no sword. He had a sling. No, he had the sword of the Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit. He had the Spirit of the living God with him. He's like, you come at me with that sword, I come at you. You see who's backing me up? Heaven's armies. You need to look at the enemy and say, you come at me with that sword, guess what? I'm going to use it against you because that's what David did. David hit him with the slingshot. I love this in the story. He goes over to Goliath, grabs that big old sword, and just cuts his head off. Uses his sword against him. This is what God will do in your life. He will use those things that are opposing you, those things that are against you, and he will use that against the enemy. 
He will turn it on the enemy and destroy the enemy in your life through the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I was standing up on that ramp and I was looking down at that little incline and and I was just thinking, just don't fall, just, just don't fall, just don't fall. And, and, then, I, and then I had to, to rethink that. And I said, no, 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 no. I need to envision myself moving through this and overcoming and going all the way through it. And that gave me the confidence to do, listen, I, I, I don't know what, what battle you're facing. I don't know what battlefield you're on the edge of. And I don't know how the enemy is taunting you, but he is taunting you. He's coming after you. And what I want you to do in that moment is stop thinking about falling and failing and start thinking about standing. No, no, I'm going to stand, and I'm going to stand firm now. I'm going to stand firm during the battle, and I'm going to be standing firm after the battle. Why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Like, no weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm going to stand and see the salvation of the Lord. So I want you to physically stand. And we're going to sing for just a moment. And I want you to just make this, this declaration, a physical standing right now as we sing. And let this be your physical and your emotional and your spiritual and your mental declaration to God and to the enemy. I am going to stand.